listening to the Live, Live, Play podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the Live, Live, Play podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Kielsa, and welcome back to the show. It's been a while, and I am, I'm excited to be back. I'm nervous to be back um, with this topic. Um, it is a topic I've been kind of working on for about two years now, and as you can tell by the title, The End of Women in Sport, it is about... Uh, the growing aspect of having of trans athletes in uh, trans female athletes in female sports. Uh, also, we'll touch on trans male athletes in male sports. It's not a bigger issue, and I'll explain that why. Uh, this is the third time I've tried to record this podcast. Um, the first one, I just kept making mistakes in regards to how I wanted to articulate myself. And the second one, I got through the whole thing. It was really good. I sent it to a few people. They, the feedback was really good, which kind of gave me the the re, uh, made me want to redo the podcast a little bit more to make make it to try and get it across even better than the, the second time. Uh, and the reason why is because I'm nervous, and I'm nervous for a valid reason because a lot of people that try to come out and say things. Uh, on this kind of gets shut down and we get labeled as bigoted and but I don't think it's being a bigot and I'm not a bigot let's just clear that uh, and I'm not a transphobe and that's the general consensus you see if someone disagrees uh, you're a transphobe you're a bigot and that is not the case in any way shape or form um, I 100% believe that if you're a good human being and you're good to other people and you live a good life. Do whatever the hell you want to do. It's not my place to say. But I do believe that choices that we make have consequences. And there's cause and causality to things that we do. And changing from a biological male to a female is well within your rights. And you can do what you want. Um, but entering a sport that you will most likely dominate... I think is unfair and this podcast is really about the fairness of sport and we're going to explain a lot of that if uh, you are watching this and you're already kind of getting the hairs on the back of your neck up I, I urge you to listen to the very end uh, I urge you to listen to everything that I'm going to say because I've put a lot of time nearly two years into this uh, uh, on and off looking at research studies listening to different people uh, both uh, people that are for and people that are against uh, trans athletes in sport. I don't believe, uh, sorry, it's not that I don't believe, trans athletes should be allowed to play sport. I just don't think they should be allowed to play trans males or females should be allowed to play in female sports, uh, biological female. And what I will try to do today, guys, is I will try to um, say biological male, biological female, uh, trans male, trans female. I'll try and get it right. I know the last podcast I did, I didn't, um, but I will try and get it right. So, before we go on, I did reach out to two groups. Uh, one person, uh, she is a trans female. She she doesn't play sport, but she uh, a very big activist, uh, helping uh, people transition. Um, seems to be just a genuine person trying to help people. Uh, there's no hidden agenda with her. Uh, I reached out to her. Uh, didn't hear anything back. Probably because it's too big of a personality in the in in what she does in the trans community, um, or she just doesn't do podcasts. 
maybe. Um, and then the second group I reached out to is an actual group, it's an organization. Um, they seemed keen at first, and then when I sent over my questions, uh, they kind of shut it down. And, and the reason was, I think, I was like, one of the questions kind of caught them out on one of their promises. Um, so I would have loved to have someone on the show with me to help uh, kind of go back and forth and argue a point, but it didn't happen. But if you are someone that wants to be on the show or wants to talk more or you've listened to the whole show and there's something I've missed and you're like well you haven't looked at it from this point of view I'd love to hear your thoughts um, because I'm still learning this and I'm still trying to understand it but from my understanding now it is an unfair uh, position to put girls in uh, especially young girls so without further ado we're gonna get into it uh, let's go so Sport. Sport's been around since since humans. We've been playing sport for uh, like forever. All right. Uh, women in sport, though, that is something different. And we're gonna go back to the 1900s. In the 1900s, uh, the Paris Olympics, women. That was the first year women were allowed to compete in sports, and they competed over five events, uh, or competed in five events, and. Uh, 22 women were allowed, well, competed, not allowed, but that was the first year women were allowed to compete in the Olympics. And 22 women competed. Now, that's a tiny number, considering um, in 2016, in the Rio Olympics, uh, was it 5,000? Let me have it here. 5,059 women competed in the Olympics. Um, so you got to think of it, like, just up to that time, it took 116 years to have women's sports be put on well, firstly, to, they fought to nail to earn their position in sport, to earn their place, to earn their notoriety, to earn that women are amazing athletes. And it took a long time for that. They worked hard. And let's just have a look at some of the amazing things that we've seen women do. Gertrude Elderly was the sixth person to ever swim the English Channel. She was the first female after five males did it in 1926. Huge achievement for women, right? Because women, the, the ability to endure um, is actually the thing. So that was a, a great achievement. In 1967, this is the, this is, this is the one that's kind of like people tend to use a lot. Catherine uh, Switzer or Schweitzer, first woman to run a marathon, right? So before that, uh, according to uh, what I read, is that women weren't really allowed to compete anything above the 1500 meters. Uh, Catherine Schweitzer um, ran the marathon. Was actually uh, people tried to attack her for running the marathon because they thought what she was doing was bad for women, and that uh, possibly her womb would fall out and it was unhealthy and like it was literally it was the stupidity of men at the time. Um, and I don't I, I don't get I don't know how. You, you, your brain thinks like that, um, but it did at, at those times. And she was the first woman to run the marathon. She was getting attacked for it. Uh, Billie Jean King won 20 uh, tennis championships, right? So that was like the best in the world until obviously Serena Williams came along. And then we had like our very own Katie Taylor, who literally brought boxing to the world stage, to the fight card, to uh, a good pay for female boxing and to show that 
women can be as skilled and as powerful um, against other women in a sport and a combat sport. And then we've had like like just the the immersion of like Irish like rugby, female rugby, female soccer, all of that growing year on year and getting more popular. And even in the the, the movement, the twenty twenty movement. Um, which is giving girls a voice and showing them they can be the best at their chosen sport. Um, that movement has helped young girls realize that they can achieve amazing things through athletics and sport. Um, also, I'm reading a lot of this just so um, I can get it right. Okay, I just, I'm not trying to wing anything here. So, women are like, they, they fought to nail, blood, sweat, and tears to earn their place in sports. Uh, 116 years, it's a long time, it really is. So we want to kind of firstly recognize that and respect that because everything that we want to do is that we respect the fact that it took a long time for women to do this. And they still have ways to go in regards to awareness and pay and all of that. That is a whole other conversation, it's a whole other show. Um, so, kind of moving on, um, the differences between the sexes, and again, the reason why I'm doing this is because it's it's going to show you there is a there is a very vast difference between the sexes, uh, biological male, biological female, um, and that plays against uh, that plays into uh, transgender athletes competing in biological sex sports. So, firstly. Um, the sex, the sex is right. So you got male, which is XY. You got female, which is XX. And what we see is there is no, like we hear that there's no difference between boys and girls up to puberty, but there actually is. Um, there is, there's a lot of difference between boys and girls up to puberty. Uh, it just accelerates itself uh, once they hit puberty. Um, and if you've ever read, I read the book, uh, uh, Joseph Debrandnik. Joseph Trapink, who wrote a book on youth performance, um, is a Russian sports uh, scientist. Uh, so I read his book. There's a lot of information there about where boys excel over girls. There is a part, and we'll touch on that later, is where girls excel over boys for about two years, uh, and that's due to a growth aspect. Um, but the overall consensus is that boys perform better than, than girls in most sports. Um, so that like I, I've read that book it's a very good book uh, and it's very informative and it's all based off the Russian and Polish uh, science of sports over the years um, but there is a physical difference right so firstly like we have uh, more bone density we have a larger wingspan we have thicker wrists uh, we actually have uh, the condylar notch in the knee uh, in the femur is actually wider so it's a wider surface and the wider surface allows for bigger impact which means we can absorb more when we jump land and be more explosive um, also the girls uh, girls will have uh, less testosterone their bone density will be less uh, but also the angle of cue on the hips uh, girls have a greater angle of cue which actually gives more pressure to an aspect of the knee which leads to girls to have a greater incidence of knee injuries, uh, especially going through puberty. So 
even with just like kind of those aspects, there is a difference and we know there's a difference. We also have a neuromuscular difference where it's evident in explosive sports and you can see that in obviously the amount of weight that a, a, a male, a biological male actually can move versus a biological female roughly at the same weight category and we'll look into this. So what I'm saying and what I'm like uh, kind of showing you now is that there is a massive difference between males and females when it comes to sport. We are equal that we should all be able to compete in sport, but there is a genetical difference between the sexes. And let's have a look at some of those sports. All right? And I tried to cover uh, from endurance to explosive sports, uh, just so you, I'm not just cherry picking um, uh, events. So firstly, we'll start off the marathon. Now, there is a theory, uh, or well, a study done, um, or more research done, that uh, trans uh, female athletes will be slower than um, than women as masters athletes, um, and we'll talk about that as with Joan Harper. We'll we'll get into that, but uh, let's take a look at the current standings. And so let's take a look at the sport. All right. So firstly, we're going to start off the marathon. So the marathon we got uh, the, the 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 world record right now at the moment is one hour and 59 minutes. For men, it is two hours and 14 minutes for women. Now, I will never run two hours and 14 minutes. Absolutely no way. That one would kick my butt in marathon training. But the difference between the top male athlete and top female athlete is, is a sizable difference. Uh, with the 100 meters, You've got uh, the fastest is nine uh, nine fifty eight nine seconds fifty eight, and the female is ten seconds forty nine, so it's almost fifty one seconds faster. And also, just another note on that is that there is over two thousand athletes in the world that can beat male athletes, uh, biological male athletes that can beat the female fastest record. You, you, you can't argue with those numbers. And there is a case, I think it's for the 400 meters, uh, the world record holder, a woman that's won most medals um, in the 400 meters. There is, I think it was like nearly most male track athletes in America can run faster, a faster 400 meters than she does. And she holds the world record and has most medals in her sport, in her division. You, you can't, you can't, and I'm sorry, high school athletes. You, so you can't argue, like, well, you can argue, but I think when you look at the numbers, you can clearly see the differences. Um, the 5K, the 5K, best recorded 5K, and these are all um, by World Athletics Association. Um, 12 minutes, 51 seconds, crazy time. The females is 14 minutes, 43 seconds. Again, it's a couple of minutes in the difference there. The one mile, which was like the one mile, obviously, uh, the four minute mile was broken by Roger Bannister. Absolute amazing feat uh, of athleticism. Uh, but the current record is three minutes and 50 seconds. Uh, the females is four minutes and 29 seconds. Again, a sizable difference. Uh, swimming, the freestyle 100 meters. Uh, men is 46 seconds and 91. The women is 51, 71. Uh, weightlifting. Now, when it comes to weightlifting, uh, I try to match the closest weight categories from males to females. So, with Olympic lifting, we're talking about the clean and jerk and the snatch. 
you've got a 69 kg lifters. For men, it's uh, 165 kg in the clean. Uh, sorry, in the snatch. And for women, it's 122 kg. Uh, for the clean and jerk, it's 196 kilograms. And for women, it is 153 kilograms. So with Olympic lifting, um, it's something that I'm really passionate about. I love the sport. Um, the nuances to it are just amazing. Um, and I really understand it. I'm not very good at it. And those women, and I know a lot of women, I've trained against women that kick my ass with weight. Um, but they're a high level of athlete and I'm not a high level of athlete and I'm not trying to argue that oh well if I try if I ever try to transition or if I ever decide that I want to transition then it's it's okay for me to compete because I'm not a good athlete no it's not again it's about fairness um, and I also have to kind of come back to that with powerlifting um, I used an 85 kg male lifter and 84 kg female lifter I know there's a difference of a kilo, but that was the closest category you could find. So for the deadlift, you have uh, 322 kilos for men, and for the females, you have 227 kilos. That's nearly 100 kilos in the difference between the top lifts. And then for the squat, you've got 300 kilos for the squat, you've got 203 for the females. So 300 kilos for the males, 203 for the females. Again, it's nearly 100 kilos, like 97 kilos in difference. That is huge comparison differences. Uh, between uh, the sports and we got to kind of understand that and we got to make sure we were taking that into account so moving on um, this is uh, research that was done by Joan Harper Joan Harper is a trans activist um, she she believes that trans women should be allowed to compete in female sports uh, but she also uh, understands that there's an un, um, it's an unfair playing field at the moment and she and the reason one of the reasons why I like this because she's very anything I've heard people talk bad about her um, she uh, transitioned late in life um, she's a, a runner I think she's more of an endurance athlete uh, masters athlete she is trying to she's pioneering it she's doing a lot of work she's putting a lot of effort into it and um, like I admire her for, for that, uh, but this interview I think articulated a lot, um, so I'm going to read a bit from this. So Joan Harper is a medical physicist at, large, at a large medical center in Portland, Oregon, has been challenging the assumption with data. In 2015, she published the first study of transgender athletes, their performances. Finding that transgender women who receive treatment to lower, now these are athletes considered masters athletes um, treatment to lower their testosterone levels did no better in a variety of races against female peers than they had previously done against male peers although Harper's study involves only a few transgender women so her study or research was done with seven people it's not a huge uh, but it is a start and as she says and she claims just, it was very hard to find uh, trans athletes that were willing to do it um, and were uh, willing to give the information and their performances uh, but what they did find is that uh, generally you were losing between 12 to 15 percent performance which is still not enough um, with the research that was done it wasn't um, it wasn't a group of people at the same age 
the same uh, level of testosterone, the the same uh, kind of biomarkers bio in regards to uh, like again if you're doing research on athletes you do research on the top athletes or you do research on the average age group and all that that wasn't really taken into account so that's where I think that the research kind of fell short but it was a beginning and currently I she is doing research with I think 40 athletes now uh, to see because she, obviously she she wants to make sure she's doing everything right but Joan has helped the Olympic Committee uh, make changes uh, to allow uh, trans athletes in sport. Now I know it sounds like I'm doing this, she's doing an amazing job and I'm here saying that that shouldn't be allowed but she's fighting a fight that she believes in and um, she's fighting for a cause that she believes in. So she in May 2004 uh, the IOC announced a landmark rule transgender athletes could participate in Olympics uh, so that was in 2004 when they were allowing transgender athletes to compete in the Olympics. Uh, strict stipulations were in effect for transgender women, not transgender men, uh, competing in women's events. They needed sex reassignment surgery, legal recognition of their gender by the appropriate officials, authorities, and at least two years of verifiable uh, hormone replacement therapy. But it was uh, light at the end of the tunnel for Harper. She wasn't an Olympic level athlete, but she believed that change would trickle down to sports organizations and would uh, she would be able to compete again. So obviously it starts from the top, comes down to the grassroots. Joan isn't, well at the time wasn't allowed to compete. Um, and the way it kind of says there is, she wasn't an Olympic level athlete. And this is true, she's not an Olympic level athlete. I'm not a weightlifting high-end athlete. I'm, I compete in sport and I enter competitions, but I'm not the best in a game. But that doesn't make it okay for me to compete. And it doesn't mean that if I compete against women, I won't win. It's if this becomes professional, then there's the problem. And therein lies like again, everything starts from the top and it will trickle down and it will cause a cascade event that will just ruin the ruin sport for women. And as you notice, it was transgender women were allowed to compete uh, with special stipulations. Transgender males could just compete because there's, <clears throat> they're not going to win. It's pretty much what the Olympic Committee was saying. So in 2015, um, the IOC, with Joan Harper's help, after a three-day conference um, of scientists and physicians covered and revised the rules of transgender competing, including at least one year of hormone replacement therapy for female competitors, rather than two, uh, and they lifted the requirement for sex reassignment surgery. So what it means is that you don't have to have surgery to you just you need to be legally a class as a female, and you need to be taking a hormone therapy for up to 12 months, where it was was initially two years, um, and you don't have to have your surgery. The current IOC policy dictates that transgender women must have a testosterone level less than 10 nanomoles per liter, roughly the low end of a typical male's value. Now, I'm gonna get into the testosterone thing, because people say that this is not valid, it's not, it's not really important. It's hugely important. And I'm going to get into it. So the Olympic Committee, as it stands, still today, in 2021, says it should be, it's meant to change it, but they still haven't changed it. It's 10 nanomoles per liter. World Athletics was 10 nanomoles per liter. Now it's 5 nanomoles per liter. 
of testosterone in your blood. Um, but the highest level of female athlete has three nanomoles per liter. So if you're competing in the Olympics, you have a massive unfair advantage. And if you're competing in world athletics, you have a massive unfair advantage. And I'm going to get into testosterone now. Um, so what they're saying and what one of the arguments is, is that if a child transitions at a younger age, before puberty, they won't have the benefits of puberty. No, they won't have the benefits of puberty and testosterone. But they still have the benefits of the testosterone. It's not as big, but it's still there. And this is uh, a study done uh, with Claire Sisson, an undergrad postgraduate in gender studies on males and females. Okay, uh, it was the Medical News Today article. It will be in the link below. So when it comes to uh, athletics and sports, right? So men, uh, at the lowest level will have 10 nanomoles per liter. In the Olympics as a trans female you can have 10, 9 nanomoles per liter or up to 10 and uh, the, you're, you're competing against women that at the most will have 3, at the very very most will have 3 uh, and they'll have all the disadvantages of going through puberty as a female versus you being able to go through puberty as a male uh, and it's nearly 3 times the difference in testosterone. So. Plus, they have more estrogen than you in their system. So, to say that it is even and fair is complete bullshit. And you, have, you cannot argue with that one. Uh, the World Athletics uh, have brought it to five nanomoles, but it's still the highest, highest level, the one percenters in female sport are not even 3% or 3 nanomoles per liter. Men, oh, sorry, biological men or trans women are now five nanomoles per liter. That's still two very, like it's a big difference, still a big difference. And to argue it is, you're arguing with numbers that aren't changing. Joan Harper actually did state this, is drawing on performance and hormone data from the, and now uh, was the IAAF, now World Athletics, a sponsored study of athletes competing in recent world championships, which was published last year in the British Journal of Sports Medicine. The policy requires testosterone levels below five nanomoles, half the previous of the I, uh, IFFA. Joan uh, Harper among them, if you're competing in a women's division, you should do so with women's hormone levels. She says, I understand just how much difference this makes and they make. So, Joan is the pioneer for trans athletes in sport. She understands and she's fought for the, the recognition of testosterone to be brought down. Even in world athletics with the five nanomoles being cut from 10 to 5, which is, again, it's, it's progress. She still knows and still states that it is not fair for women to have to compete and that, uh, sorry, let me reword it again. Um, Harper Monday, if you're competing in women's divisions, divisions, you should do so with women's hormone levels. 
This is the pioneer for trans athletes in sport, still acknowledging that we are nowhere near fair. Because if you're going to compete as a female, your testosterone needs to be low at the same as females, which is three nanomoles per liter at a push. So back to testosterone. Let's have a look at the study. Uh, Pre-puberty, right? So this is from zero to 11 years testosterone, right? So from zero to five months, a biologically born male will have 75 to 400 nanograms per liter. Obviously nanomoles is more, we're using nanograms. This is what the study was done. Obviously because there's less in the body, just more people. Uh, females are 20 to 80. So at the, the lowest level of a biological male is 75. The highest level of a biological female is 80 nanograms per liter. Um, that's from zero to five months. So there's no differences until puberty. Yes, there is, because obviously a biological male is creating a biological male body and a biological female is creating a biological female body. So there has to be differences. Um, in six to nine years, it's, uh, it goes up, it's, it says seven to 20 for males and females. It doesn't state where the differences are there. So you could probably argue that it's the same, uh, but we know that true sport, um, we'll show you, we'll, we'll, we'll show you that with sport. It's not the same with the exception of one rule and one specific style of sporting for two years, uh, from 10 to 11 years, uh, it is. So yeah, let's just go back there. Let's backtrack there. So from six months to nine years, you have less, it says less than 75 to 20 or seven to 20 uh, nanograms per liter, okay? But then from 10 to 11 years, you have from seven to 130 and seven to 44. So I'd say if you were to break down those other years, there's definitely a difference, um, but we'll go with what the study says. From 12 to 13 years, it's seven to 800 in males, nanograms per liter, and seven to 75 in females. So from 800 nanograms for men, uh, for boys, and for 75 for women, girls, it's just huge, okay? Uh, 14 years is up to 1,200 nanograms, uh, which is one nanomole, um, and girls still 75. And from 15 to 16 years, it's 1,200 for males, 75 for females. Um, 17 to 18 years is 1,200 for males, uh, 75 for females. And then from 19 plus, that's where obviously puberty is ending. It's 950 for males, so it's coming down. But it's also going down for women from 75 to 60 at the highest level. These are the higher levels I'm giving you. So there's a huge difference. And as we go through puberty, it just expands the difference between the sexes, the biologically born males and biologically born females. It's very hard to argue with that. That is not a difference. And even when it comes to, and I'm gonna get up here because I wanna make sure that I get it right. Uh, Rationality Rules did a video, the link's in the bio. Uh, he did a video originally, he got, he, it was, taken he took it down because he got he, he kind of came across wrong redid redid an amazing video and i think you should go watch that if you is very good i still disagree with one or two things with him but a very very good video so when it comes to that when you talk about kids right 
Um, he took four different uh, sports. He took the 100 meters, he took 1500 meters, he took the marathon. Um, I'm not sure about the marathon because I, I need to look into, I don't know many kids that run marathons, but I'm sure there is. And then the standing long jump. Okay, so with the 100 meters, at five years of age, uh, roughly the scores are the same. Uh, from six years of age, which is in the gap between six months to nine years where it's meant to be all level playing field, boys excel in sprinting sports. In the 100, 150 meters, boys excel in the 150 meters. This is all before puberty. Uh, sorry, up, even up to from five years of age up to 19 years. So even go through, once they hit puberty, it's a kind of, it's a lost game. Uh, the marathon is pretty much the same. Uh, boys are a little bit better, but as they hit the age of seven, they start to excel. Um, until 14, at 14, there's a bit of a difference where uh, girls catch up a little bit. And then in the standing long jump, between the ages of eight to 10 years, uh, girls are 10 to uh, well, 11 years, so it's not two years, sorry, it's uh, up to four years. Girls will excel in the likes of broad jumps and long jumps. Um, and the reason for that is, and according to Dr. Uh, Derbrank's book, as I mentioned earlier, it is um, because girls will grow faster at those ages and they grow taller, so they are excelling in those type of sports. Uh, once they hit the age of 12 where boys' puberty kicks in stronger, boys will excel, and that's in four other sports. So again, you gotta look at that. Uh, when you're you're taking all of this into a, in, into the situation before puberty, so this is before the benefits of puberty have kicked in. There is a difference already. It's, so that's why divisions, male sports, female sports, are there. So we've talked about Joan Harper. We talked about testosterone, and now we're going to have a look at some trans athletes. Um, it's two female trans athletes um, to male trans athletes and the first one up is Rachel McKinnon now for, Rachel McKinnon is probably the highest profile trans athlete out there um, she's very she's tough yeah she comes across tough she doesn't really like to answer questions uh, any of the interviews uh, I've where anyone has put uh, a hard question to her. She, she's a very good politician, she talks around it. Um, she was a former male track cyclist. She transitioned, is now two-time world champion uh, in her sport. She says it's a fair playing field. Um, it's clearly not. She says that her testosterone, taking testosterone blockers is, um, is not helping her be the best cyclist. Um, even though any study on someone taking less testosterone, it does not affect, uh, it does actually not affect your quads, that area of your legs more so. Um, so the power that she has as a male is still there. Um, I can't remember where I got that. I'll try and find out. I'll try and find out. Uh, but one of her biggest arguments, right? So she's a, she's a trans athlete, she's allowed to compete. Uh, one of her biggest arguments is trans women are legally female. Okay, so when the question to her is competing against biological women, is that fair? She goes, well, I'm a legal female by law, so it's fair. It's not fair. You can't say legal and biological is the same thing. It's not, it's, it's crazy. But that's the thing that comes back. So 
but not biologic. There is a big difference between legal and biological. Sorry, I just repeated what I, what I just said. Your argument that being a legal, legally female, a piece of paper that recognizes you with governing bodies and government and society is the same as being born a certain way. It's not. It's completely not. And I think that is one of the stupidest arguments I've seen. Um, and then any other question she goes around or just goes back or you're transphobic or you're a bigot. It's not. It's like, I can be, someone could be the legal adopt my son or like you could be the legal guardian or father to a child. But the biological father is still the biological father. There's a difference to it or a biological mother versus uh, someone that raised a child and is legally their mother by, by the, the laws of the country. So I'm legally the father of a child, but he's not my biological son kind of thing. And saying that that's the same, it's not the same. And it's kind of, I, when I heard that, it was like, you really, like that's just, that's ridiculous. It really is ridiculous. I don't agree with it at all. Um, uh, but yeah, the way Rachel McKinnon will, would argue is that it's fair and it's fair and it's not fair to not let trans women in. And her earlier argument, which I thought was very funny, was there's not enough trans athletes to create their own division. And why should we have to suffer when we should be allowed to compete as females? No, you are a trans female. You associate yourself as a trans female. You are legally accepted. No one is against you for wanting to transition. We just feel it's unfair for you to compete with a massive advantage in sport against biological women. Um, that's where we feel it's not fair. And you're, the cause and causality of you being a transgender woman um, I think that you shouldn't be allowed to compete in female sports because of that. And is that unfair? No, but you, you, the choices you make, that's, you want to make a choice that is now unfair to a whole population of women who have earned their right in sports. I think that's unfair. So you got to kind of look at the, the bigger picture here and not the selfish picture. Um, Fallon Fox is an MMA fighter, former male MMA fighter. Um, MMA, for people who don't know, is mixed martial arts, combat sports. Um, Fallon Fox transitioned and then was allowed to compete as a female in a combat sport. I think combat sports are even more dangerous in regards to there's a reason why we don't allow super heavyweights fight flyweights. We have weight categories, we have divisions, subdivisions in these combat sports and in a lot of other sports as well. Allowing a man, uh, sorry, <clears throat> allowing a trans female to compete in a female combat sport, I think, is dangerous. And you're just waiting on a tragedy. Tragedy? To happen. Sorry, got the word. You're waiting on something to happen. We see this happen in sports when men go up against men and women go up against women. 
uh, I think if you put the disadvantage in there, you're going to have a big problem. Something's going to happen. And I don't think we should wait till it happens to make a decision or a change. I think we should prevent it, which it is preventable. Um, Fallon Fox has had seven professional fights. Uh, six, uh, she, no, I'll be, I'm not ignoring it. She lost one, um, according to people that know a lot more about MMA than me. The person she lost to was technically much superior. Fallon Fox was never a great MMA fighter uh, when she was a biological man. And she the reason why she's winning and dominating the other six women she's fought against um, is because she has uh, those dominating factors uh, for, for being a man, uh, being born a man. Again, apologies. Um, she, she's won six fights through TKO which is knockout, and she's cracked two people's skulls, two women's skulls have been broken. Bit of a red flag there. Um, Fallon Fox, uh, her response to this is that, what, what is it? part of her argument is uh, bone structure, bro, bone structure is ri ridiculous argument. Okay, so even if you're taking estrogen, you will lose a little bit, not a lot, like not enough to make it a, a, a fair. But think of it like this, bone density, the hardness of your bone, how strong your bone is. I'm going to hit you with a little stick and then I'm going to hit you with a big stick. Which one's going to hurt? You've got to imagine someone, even if they're in the same weight category, the bone density wrapped in muscle going to smash someone's face is going to have a bit of a difference hence two broken skulls, um, against women that will never have that bone density advantage. It's crazy, absolutely crazy. Um, Mac Briggs, okay, so Mac, uh, Mac Beggs uh, is a wrestler in America. He is, I like this, this, this story is kind of how things change because I, I wasn't looking at the trans male side of things originally. Um, Matt Briggs is a 2017-2018 wrestling champion for his state. Uh, he wrestles against women. He's not allowed to wrestle against men because he was born on his birth cert. It states that he is a born biological female. Um, Matt takes testosterone and does not take estrogen. But, uh, takes estrogen blocker, sorry, and takes, test takes testosterone. Matt has a sizable advantage against females because he is doping, technically, according to uh, the associations. He hasn't been allowed to compete in male sports because they were saying they were using the excuse of the birth cert and they were using um, the fact that he would test positive uh, for doping because he's taking steroids to <clears throat> for and that will give him a performance enhancement. Now. The other aspect is, is that when Matt moves up, and I think as of 2019 or 2020, he is now going to be able to compete against males. Um, he is going to go from two-time champion to a zero. He's going to lose. And he knows, even in an interview, he said he knows he's going to more than likely lose because he won't be able to compete against males, but he wants to compete against males. And people say, well, that's fair. He's making that decision. He's going to go up a division. He's going to change his division. He's going to get his, his ass handed to him in a wrestling match. And he's happy enough to do that. No one's giving out about that because nothing's going to really, Mac, Mac isn't going to 
take over male sports. What can actually still happen to Mac is that he can be really badly damaged by a superior uh, athlete who is just genetically going to be stronger and faster and he can be dominated by that. So even though a trans male athlete won't win in trans sports, in specific sports like combat sports, they can still be hurt. Again, think of it like this, uh, a woman who transitions to a male, so a trans male athlete wants to compete in boxing, is not going to win, but could, could seriously get hurt. And the same with in any other combat sport. Um, so you gotta look like this. Uh, Chris Moisier was, uh, is a trans, uh, trans male, born female, um, first Nike athlete sponsored. Uh, amazing achievement, I think that's, uh, a, I don't think Nike are sponsoring I don't think sports companies are sponsoring them for the right reasons uh, because uh, Chris made a national team for running but he hasn't won a lot of things in athletics through his career uh, especially when he, he transitioned um, and normally in, uh, the, you wouldn't get too many sponsors for that I think big companies are jumping on the bandwagon because it will help with diversifying the company and diversity and making them more money, which is the name of those big corporations. Nothing against Nike, um, but that's who was sponsoring them. Um, Shulier Bailier, all right? Pretty sure I got this guy's name wrong. Uh, was a swimmer, originally rec recruited and got scholarship from Harvard as a female, transitioned to male, is on the male swim team, uh, division one swim team, top division team, the, the team is the Division 1 swim team for years because of all the other males on it. Um, was winning, again, got a scholarship for being a female athlete, high-end athlete, and now is transitioning and is now not winning. Again, the trans males are at a huge disadvantage and no one's giving out about that because they're at a huge disadvantage. Again, it's not causing much uh, problems in that division of sport, males, biological male sport. So, kind of moving on, there's some things. Also, you got the, the two uh, athletic 200-meter uh, sprinters and hurdlers in Connecticut. Uh, the track athletes, who I think were 15, were still competing as males. Average uh, weren't really winning, and then tra both transitioned, and now are crushing state championships, uh, apparently getting scholarships and there's been a bit of uproar and it's been hitting the media a little bit more. I've watched some of the videos on them competing. It is not a fair, it is not an even playing field. It really isn't. If you look at just the sheer genetical size of these athletes, the power that they can do, the leanness of their tissue versus the girls at the same age who train as hard, if not harder, it's it's not fair. You can't like argue with that. No, I listened to an interview with her they're uh, one of the girl's dads. And I felt for him. It was like he just wants his daughter to be happy. But again, I, th I really do think that it's being happy is not at the ex expense and cost of a lot of many, many other people's happiness who will never have the advantages that that girl, trans girl, has. And I think that's where it needs to, that's the conversation we need to have. Um, and not trying to shut it down. The next bit I'm going to read, and uh, we're coming to the end, is is an article that came from T Nation, 
uh, was written by uh, a female. It's a really good article and that's why I want to bring it up because they make a lot of good points where um, I just, I would like, I just, they, they articulate it better than I probably would have. So it's, so it starts off, it's a 15 page article, the, the link's in the bio, in, in below. Uh, I've taken out some of the better bits, some of the, some of the other things kind of, she, she rants a little bit. Um, so uh, one of the things, it's not about politics, it's about biology. Granted, this is not an easy situation, especially if you're the head of a sports federation. If you don't comply with trans activism, you run the risk of getting sued or smeared all over the media. This is true. If you don't comply, you get canceled or you get like called a bigot or transphobe and they go, people go out of their way to hurt you, even though you're not trying in any way to hurt anyone. You're looking at fairness of the sport. And I got to keep coming back. It's the fairness of sport. The whole purpose of sport is to compete, is to win. And there should be a level playing field. And we know there's not. And until there is, it shouldn't be, there should be something different. And we're getting to it. Um, most experts say that the average testosterone production for biological females ranges between 0 0.52 to 2.8 nanomoles per liter. The Mayo Clinic put that range even lower and while experts may vary in what they consider average among females, the consensus is almost below three. But remember, World Athletics states five, the Olympic Committee states 10 nanomoles per liter. The best in the world is not even three nanomoles liter in females, biologically born females. Just on that statement alone, it's, it's, it's unfair. Really is unfair. And yes, there are occurrences of female outliers who have elevated testosterone production from things that affect hormonal output, like uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome. But those are rare occurrences in which their hormones may still remain below 10 nanomoles. These outliers won't have the advantages of going through puberty with peak testosterone production of a young man. The exception does not prove the rule. So there is some athletes, and the South African athlete is one of them. I can't think of her name right now. The South African athlete is one of them who um, is born with a high rate of testosterone, but still that high rate is above three. It's not above 10. It's just enough to dominate female sports. And that is a very, very rare outlier. And it does not, sorry, the exception does not prove the rule. Um, or, so this is something, again, this was written by a female, uh, unfair period. Or how about the simple fact that if you're born male, you don't have periods. Trans women will never know how excruciating it can be when your uterus is shredding, it's lining during practice or competition day. Clearly written by a woman. All right? I will never understand that. And a trans female will not understand that either um, because they won't have periods uh, what happens when all those sports are done what happens when all sports are dominated by those who were born or went through puberty as males what are the consequences uh, for young women and their scholarship opportunities should federations allow women to start blood doping or taking SARMs or steroids 
if they're going to allow male-born humans to compete against them. Okay. Will coaches, I'm going, to inter I'm going to come in here in a second, will coaches see transgender athletes as an opportunity to get their girls to win? A teammate with a wider wingspan, handspan, heart, lungs, and stature could help the team dominate their sports. Will some take advantage of this? 100% people are going to abuse the fact. There is a huge loop loophole here. You can identify as a woman you can take testosterone guys take drugs to win women take drugs to win why wouldn't they take testosterone blockers and estrogen to perform in a sport where they know they're pretty much going to dominate do it for a couple of years get their sponsorships get their money get out and then detransition to believe that that won't happen is naivety on your part Oh, people wouldn't do that. Yes, they would. People do an awful lot for an awful lot less. Not every human is a good human. You cannot state that if we allow trans athletes to compete against women, uh, trans women to compete against biological women, that men, biological men, won't think to use that as a huge advantage to make money because there's money on the line. That's why sports... People get paid a awful lot of money. Why would it be different? Uh, just because political correctness? No, it wouldn't be. And the 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 area the, 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 the craziness of that is that even if I wanted to do that, you couldn't tell me I was doing it just for the money, because you you're not allowed. You're not allowed to argue with me if I identify. It's like that. Uh, that rapper Zuby, who identified as a woman while he lifted the world record. Based off your own political correctness, you can't argue with it. I think that's silly. There has to be logic to this. Uh, isn't it fair to say that even if some males identify as female, their bodies simply do not? Yes. The bodies, the body is in line. Okay, uh, <clears throat> is wanting fairness for biological. This is from the article again. Is wanting fairness for biological women transphobic? No, it's not. I want fairness, or people want fairness. It's not transphobic. Don't use that as your your battle cry or your argument back. It's not. It's fairness. Think about it. Um, this issue is not about whether or whether you love or hate trans people. It is about the death of women's in sport. Okay, so here's the thing. Here's another little thing. So if you're a trans female competing in sport and you have your testosterone and you've done your 12 months and you have your testosterone down to the five, five nanomoles based on world athletics, can girls take performance enhancing drugs to get to five nanomoles per liter. Is that fair? Because they're, they're, they're doping. Is that fair? No. So where's the fairness? <clears throat> I gotta come back to this. This is the reason, the main reason why I'm doing this is because I think it's highly unfair, especially now. It's not fair at all. Nobody is saying that trans people should not compete. The more people involved in sport, the better. Yes, 100% agree on that. 
But the clear solution is separate divisions. Divisions in sport is not a discriminatory. It never has been. Most sports already have divisions including sex, weight and age. Yeah, so to create a transgender division is not discrimination because we created a male division, female division, and it's not discrimination against women. It's because of fairness it was created. Since this, the article on T-Nation was written, um, uh, one from, uh, uh, sorry, two studies, one from the Journal of Medical Ethics, Ethics and one from the Karolinski Institute in Sweden have found that biological men who transition to women retain athletic advantage even after a year of testosterone suppression. Okay, so there you go. <clears throat> um, and then the last one is, it's just a game. Another argument people make on behalf of transgender athletes is that it is just a sport, it's just a game. And there is no need to want to level the playing fields because athletic competition is ultimately for funsies. No, athletic competition is for a competition. It's not a competition if it's for funsies. It's about who's going to win. You're not telling boys on the rugby pitch or on the football pitch not to go out and win. Um, if enough trans women enter competitions against biological women, we'll all start thinking of second place as the real first place many people already do. Okay. So, <clears throat> what's the answer? The answer to this, in my humble opinion, is there needs to be a third division, or four. There needs to be a trans division or a multi-sex division for trans athletes and then if you wish to compete in that and or it should be just a, an open division where biological males biological females trans males trans females and anything in between can compete against each other the argument that was made by rachel mckinnon is that it's not fair because there's not enough of trans athletes um, the Paris Olympics in the 1900s, 22 women competed. They earned it. Sports, hard work, the whole definition and competitiveness of sport is about putting in the hard work, the time, the effort, the sacrifice. You have to earn it. Earn your place. Recognize that biological women deserve their space and they've earned it. Biological males have earned their space and earned it. And trans athletes need to earn their space in athletics. Not in life, not legally. No, we should all be treated equally when it comes to basic human rights and civil liberties and everything else that comes with that and just being good, good humans, like I said in the beginning. But when it comes to sport, there is differences. And we have to be fair. Otherwise, it will be abused, and then why will women want to compete when they know they're never going to win? Games are fun. Sport is competitive. And as we get into teenage years, all sports become competitive. If that playing field gets destroyed and it's no longer even, then we'll actually see a demise in women and young girls wanting to play sports because what's the point?
Guys, if you have any thoughts, if you enjoyed the show, please let me know. If you'd like to come on to the show, I've done this. It's taken me a long time. I've done this because I feel strongly that there, this can be a very big problem if it keeps going. As in, we could be hindering and hurting young girls growing up. I'm all for human rights. I'm all for you wanting to transition. I'm all for you wanting to compete. But women earn their sport. I think if you're a trans athlete, you should earn your sport and make it your own. It's not going to take you 116 years. Obviously, just social media. And obviously, in the, the 80s and the 90s, there was like thousands of women entering the Olympics. I just used the, the recent Olympics as the number comparison. There is a difference. You can earn your sport. You can put the work in. You can grow. It will be small. It will start off small. But then you have something that is 100% yours. And no one will try to take that away from you. If you disagree, and if I'm looking at this from the wrong side, or I, I've missed something, I'd love, to, I'd love to know your thoughts in a rational, compassionate conversation. I'd love to... I love to have this discussion. I also believe it's very good to have a discussion and disagree with people. Like people disagree on religion and multiple things, but still get along. I'm not a hater. I don't hate people. Uh, I don't hate, I'm not bigoted or transphobic. And I'm, I'm saying this because I just want to make sure that you know that this is coming from a good, good place. For me, I think it's a good place. Um, I see there could be an eventual problem here and that it can really, really impact a lot of young girls. And I'd rather not see that. So what's the answer? I think a lot of work, a lot more talking needs to happen. I think a lot more work needs to happen. But I think it's something that we need to look at and a third division or a fourth division would be fair. And sport is about fairness. Uh, inclusivity but fairness is the main thing so guys if you like the show or if you did not like the show leave a positive comment give us a like give us a subscribe this was a tough one for me to do this is my third time doing it I will not be doing it a fourth time and uh, if you're watching it it's because I finally posted it have a good day see you all be kind and uh, yeah be a good human I'm out You're listening to the Live, Live, Play podcast.